0: Good morning, my name is uh, Eric, and I'm uh, one of the pastors here at Fremont Community Church, and it's great to be here with you this morning. Normally, this would be the time where I would get up and spend about 30 minutes going through a Bible passage and preaching, but it's going to be a little different today. We're going to have a lot more participation on the stage today. So I'm going to set things up, and then uh, we're going to have uh, Peter Craig share uh, some Scripture with us, and then his dad is going to uh, share some, uh, some insight into that Scripture, and then we're going to have a story from Jennifer McDonald. And then uh, I'm going to close with a little bit of theology nerd stuff that I get excited about. And then, uh, and then we're going to have a time of communion. It is great to have you here. If, uh, if you're new to FCC, welcome. We're really glad that you're here. Thank you all for joining us online as well. We are in week four of something called Discipleship Pathway, and uh, this is something that Benji Craig and myself and Will Walker uh, put together, this, this Discipleship Pathway, with some help of, of some other mission-minded church groups around the country, and um, so I'm excited for Benji to, get to share some of his heart today, because it's been mostly me talking for this series so far. Uh, and just a quick recap of where we've been on this Discipleship Pathway. Uh, first, Discipleship Pathway is centered around this idea that Jesus is Lord, and I think we got a slide with some some Bible verses up there. Uh, Actually, Jesus is Lord is the center of all of this. That's the truth that we we center our lives around. Um, but, But then there's this question, if we're doing discipleship pathway, what does it mean to be a disciple? That's kind of an old school word. People kind of use it to mean everything in churches nowadays, and so how do we define what a disciple is? And at first it starts with this idea that we believe Jesus is Lord. And the Lord himself said in Matthew 16, anyone who wants to be my disciple will take up their cross and follow me. Which means anyone who wants to be a disciple of Jesus says that that Jesus is number one in my life. We have a supreme commitment to Jesus Christ as Lord above everything else. Anything else in our life is, is a distant second compared to our allegiance to Jesus as Lord. The second thing, Jesus, and this is all like, we, we keep it simple around here. When we're defining what a disciple is, we're allowing the words of Jesus to define what a disciple is. And this was passed down to me from a, a great pastor named Doug Lay. Doug, I doubt you're watching, but if you are, love you, brother. Um, and uh, and he just said, hey, well, let's keep it simple. Why are we trying to redefine what Jesus has already defined? And so these are the times in the Gospels that Jesus says, here's what disciples are all about. So first is we carry our cross, meaning we're, we're committed to him above all else. The second thing is that we will love one another. Jesus said, the world will know you're my disciples when you love one another. Disciples of Jesus are marked by love for each other and, and sacrificial love for all of those around him. And then he says, you, you're my disciples when you abide in me. Uh, my disciples abide in me. What does that mean to abide in Jesus? It means to obey it means we know what his word says, we, we, we follow his instructions, we do what he did, and we do the things that he commanded us to do, and usually that was surrounded by this concept of love God, love others. He, he made it real simple for us. You want to follow me? You want to be my disciple? Love God, love others, right? So we abide in Christ. We try to live that out in our everyday life. And then the last one is fruitful living. In that same passage, he just says, my disciples will bear fruit, And there's two ways to take that. Fruit is this analogy in Scripture that's used over and over again. Jesus loved to talk about planting things because he he talked to a lot of farming people. And so so when he's talking about fruit here, he's talking about two distinct things, but they go together. The first is what Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We become these kind of people that live in that way, into those fruitful ways. But also he uses the fruit as this idea of more and more people coming to know him. He talks about harvesting. He talks about planting seeds, sowing seeds, watering seeds, and ultimately harvesting. What he's talking about is there are more and more disciples along the way, um, which it makes sense because Jesus said, as he was finishing up his earthly ministry, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. That's fruitful living when we make other disciples. So disciples make disciples. Okay. That's what a disciple is. It's someone with a supreme commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, someone whose life is marked by love for one another, someone who abides in Jesus and his teachings, and someone who is, has fruit-bearing life, both um, the fruit of the Spirit and is making disciples. So that's what we're inviting everyone to as we go through this discipleship pathway together. Uh, and that's why we're here this morning, to take another kind of step, a little baby step along this path. A discipleship pathway is exactly that, steps that we take to follow Jesus on mission. We start with extraordinary prayer and fasting, and I pronounce it that way on purpose, extraordinary. Take whatever you're doing in prayer and fasting that's ordinary, kick it up a notch, make it a little extra, right? And that's where we start all of this, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that, what prayer walking is like today, Uh, and many of you have already started doing that. And then the second thing is learning to live as missionaries. Last week, if you, if you weren't here, I, I encourage you to go back and watch the sermon where we talk about this idea of, hey, disciples are everyday ordinary missionaries wherever God has placed them. Some get called to go across the world, uh, and others are called to stay right where they are but to be on mission with Jesus. And so we're going to spend the next couple of weeks talking about the, the practical things. What does that actually look like to live on mission with Christ? And so, with that, I am going to ask uh, Peter Craig to come and grab this microphone. We're not going to share this one because I've got a little cold going on here. And and Peter is going to share with us our scripture for today before we dive into what it means for us here and now. All right, let's welcome Peter.
1: (laughs) After this, the Lord chose 72 others. He sent them out in pairs. He sent them ahead of him into every town and place where he planned to go. He said to them, there are a great many people to harvest, but there are only a few workers to harvest them. God owns the harvest. Pray to God that he will send more workers to help gather his harvest. You can go now, but listen, I'm sending you and you'll be like sheep among wolves." Don't carry a purse, a bag, or sandals. Don't stop to talk with people on the road. Before you go into a house, say, Peace be with this house. If a peaceful man lives there, your blessing of peace will stay with him. If the man is not peaceful, then your blessing of peace will come back to you. Stay in the same house. Eat and drink with the people there. give you. A worker should be given his pay. Don't move from house to house. If you go into a town and the people welcome you, eat what they give you. Heal the sick who live there. Tell them, the kingdom of God is is soon coming to you. But if you go into a town and the people don't welcome you, then go out into the streets of that town. Say to them, even the dirt from your town that sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. But remember that the kingdom of God is coming soon. I tell you, on the judgment day, it will be worse for the people of that town than the people of Sodom.
2: All right. Thank you, Peter. Here, Peter. Let me take that. All right. Good morning, everyone. Um, So this morning, we're talking about people of peace and how Jesus calls us out to find people in the community who are people of peace. Now, first of all, I want to touch back to something that Eric talked about last week. And he said, we, at minimum, need not to be a jerk. Right? So we actually need to be people of peace first. Right? And, and, and I really love uh, what Roger Dill told me once. He said, um, imagine if Jesus were you, what would that look like? And how can you become more of that? Right? Because each of us are created differently. Right? And so the way we live our lives is going to be a little differently. And so how, how, how can we look more like Jesus in the way Jesus has created us and how we Go out. So, um, with that, um, I'm going to start out with story time and ask Jennifer to come up real quick. And we're going to hear a couple stories from her about people of peace. So, I'm going to hand her the mic. This is risky, right? Um, But, uh, anyways, um, so Jennifer, I just want to ask you if you can give a story of. People of Peace, and and how you've seen it play out.
3: Sure. Good morning, everyone. Um, One of the things I do is I volunteer for an organization that's not Christian. So this gives me opportunity to meet a lot of people. So when I meet these people, occasionally I'll make a really strong connection with someone. Well, a little less than a year ago, I met a woman, highly educated woman, who was devastated by divorce. So immediately, we had a connection based on both of our experience. So we exchanged um, phone numbers. So typically, when that happens, I'll follow up with a text and say, so great to meet you. And a lot of times, I'll wait a few more days, and we'll say, hey, you want to get together? So then we started meeting. First time we meet, we typically share our stories. We usually meet for lunch or coffee. And so we met, and it's a great opportunity to listen to hear where they're coming from, what's their experience, what are they like spiritually. Now, I wouldn't say that, but as I listen, I can kind of get an idea. So the second time we met, we went for a hike, because she likes to get outdoors. And so we're out hiking. And she said, can I ask you a question? And I'm like, sure. She goes, what do you think of manifestation? And immediately, I'm like, what in the world is manifestation? (laughs) So she's like, let me give you an example. And I'm like, oh, good. I at least have some context. And so while she's talking, I look like I'm listening, but in my head I'm like praying a panic prayer. God help me. How in the world am I going to answer this? So she explains and she gives me an example that manifestation occurs when, um, when you're thinking something good and it happens to you. So if you think something bad, something bad will happen to you. So she gave this story and... and um, she says, what do you think about that? I was like, okay, God, you've got to answer this for me because how do I answer this? And I just said, oh, that's God looking out for me and just left it there. And she doesn't, like, get upset. She just, okay. And off the conversation goes. So fast forward a couple more weeks, and it was my birthday. And she went out and bought me a gift, and she gave me a birthday card. And she must have spent some time picking out that birthday card because she found one with a Bible verse in it. So I was really touched that I got a um, card from her with a Bible verse. So she made it easy for me to identify her as a woman of peace. So we continue to, to meet, we continue to um, get lunch or dinner together. And we're now at the point in our friendship where sh- if she's going through a really difficult time, she'll just text me and say, hey, can you pray for me? You know, I have yet to take that scary step of praying for her in person but I don't, we'll get there, we'll get there. So she, um, she's become a real real special relationship of mine to just, cause sometimes we'll just go have fun together. Two single women out doing fun things. And so um, that's my story about one person that's a woman of peace.
2: Awesome. Okay, so second of all, last week she went to Atlanta to visit uh, one of the people that we support as FCC who's serving with um, immigrants uh, near Atlanta. And so um, you got to go in and see how she's serving a community. And so I was curious, as, as you're going into uh, visiting with her, how did you see People of Peace play out in that scenario in, in how she served?
3: Yeah, so I visited Michelle. I don't know if you guys remember, she presented here before. And um, we went with her, and we went from home to home to home. And we learned a large part of her relationship, especially with the Afghani people in that area, is receiving hospitality. It is important for them to serve us as guests in their home. So we would go into home. It didn't matter why we were there. It didn't matter how long we were staying there. But up would show up a, a tea, just like that. I actually got to take a picture, tea and snacks. And as, um, their custom is to sit on the floor, so a lot of times we're sitting on the floor, and they're just so happy to see us, so happy to serve us. So in this particular home, we were visiting her because um, the woman there is pregnant, and she's seven months pregnant, and so. Michelle's checking on her. How are you doing? How's your health? And Michelle's speaking to her. I believe they spoke Dari, although Michelle changes languages, and I couldn't keep up with which language she was speaking in which home. And sometimes in a certain home, she'd switch languages depending on who's in the room. So, um, And we're sitting there, and this woman who's seven months pregnant invited us to dinner, and she said, it would make me so happy if you could all come and I could serve you dinner. And I'm like, if I were seven months pregnant, I probably wouldn't be inviting strangers into my home to feed them dinner. But we were, we accepted, and then we found out that they also do henna, so Eugenia and I were very excited. Um, so they invited us into the home, and it wasn't just a dinner. It was a feast. And it's not comfortable sitting there, and I'll tell you why. Michelle told us this story that they had come over about four years ago, and um, so, the woman whose home we were in spoke some English, but not much. So, it's her and her husband, their two kids, she's pregnant, her sister in law, who is a widow, her, her, she lost her husband, and their two kids and her mom. They're all supported by one man who's a, a long haul truck driver. So, you know, finances are not, they're tight. They're trying to make a living in a new country. And they're wanting to bless us with a feast. And it was like, it felt uncomfortable. But we went over there. They did the henna for both Eugenia and I and for Michelle. And there was so much laughter and so much fun. And Michelle would translate for us. And it turns out, you know, it was a mom, her five daughters, some, some couple other women that were somehow tied to the family, and kids coming in and out of the room. And it was just... It was just a lot of fun, but you know, it was, I had to overcome my uncomfortableness to be on the receiving end of such incredible generosity and hospitality. And they were genuinely, genuinely happy to have us there and to feed us and to share their food, which it was so good. The food was incredible. So that was part of our trip.
2: Yeah, thank you. I think they're gonna give, More of an update about going to Atlanta another time, but thank you so much, Jennifer, for that. All right. It's such good food. (laughs) So let's go back to the passage. We're just going to kind of look back. I I just kind of bullet pointed a couple things, and we're going to go off of that. So what, what did Jesus say in this passage? He said, first of all, he said, go in pairs. Right? So this, this, this isn't an individualistic thing, right? This is community. We go together, we serve together, and um, we, we, we don't do it alone, right? Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is with us as we go out and we go with others. Pray for more workers. And you know, what, what, what does that look like, right? We've got these prayer walks where we're, we're, we're walking through our communities where we're working, asking God, where are you moving Who are the people of peace in this community? Who are the people that we we need to bless or or, or be a a part of their lives? But then also, God, please bring more workers. Please bring more people to um, connect in these communities. Go like sheep among wolves. That's an interesting one, right? And, And he's not saying, go like sheep and be scared. I think he's saying... You're going with a different power than the world sees as power, right? It's it, it's Jesus. Jesus didn't come like with a military or government or any of that stuff, right? He came, and he was healing people. He was he was going to the people in the margins, right? And so it, it, it's it's a different mentality than we think, right? And so and there's there's power, but it's just a different paradigm than than, than what we think strength is don't bring stuff, right? He said, don't bring sandals, don't bring. And so I, I, th- I think a lot of times we want to create a program and have everything set up ahead of time, right? But I think there's things as we go and follow Jesus, we're seeing how he provides and how he wants it to be shaped, right? And so it's, it's adaptable and seeing his provisions as, as, he, as we go on this journey with him. Don't talk to people along the way. Like I think what he's saying is don't get distracted. You know, like this is the people that you're called to. Be intentional with being focused on them, right? The people that are in your lives, in your community, your workplace. Say peace on this house when you go into it, right? That that if, if we look in Genesis 12, Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. So a, a, as we go into houses, as we go we're interacting with people, blessing them, and, and, you know, as they're going through challenging things, saying, hey, you know, I, I, I've just saying, you know, I hope you have peace, right? Um, I, there's multiple times that I've talked to people, and, you know, I'm texting with them or something like that, and um, uh, I'll, I'll just text them back and go, you know, I, I just say, pray that you'll, you know, I don't say I, I pray. I just say, may you have peace in this situation, right? And, and so, you know, sometimes I'm like, man, I wonder, like, what the response is going to be. But so much of the time, it's like a bunch of hearts or thank you so much or, you know, because there's turmoil, there's turmoil inside, right? And so this is a way that we can, you know, just by saying, may you have peace, it, 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 it's calming them, right? It, um Then twice, uh, so he said, peace on this house. And twice, he says, stay in the same place, right? So we aren't aren't supposed to bounce around. He says, stay in the same house. And 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 then he goes on to say, eat and drink whatever they give you. He says that twice. And when when I think about us as a church in America, I I think so much we want to have a program. And then how do we serve others, right? Like we're going to serve them and they're going to be like, and then, like they're going to come to know Jesus, right? But that's that's only one way, and and I think what Jesus is talking about here is it's got to be two ways. We got to let them serve us too, right? Um, I was at a funeral yesterday, and um, the um, one of the moms there, she. She was like, hey, can I give you some food to take home? And my first thing was, no, 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 I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Like, I'm good. But she really wanted to serve me by giving me food. And that, that actually, so, you know, so I had to like reverse what I was thinking, my standard responses and go like, yeah, I'd love some food to take home. And, and that actually built a stronger connection between us because I allowed her to serve me. Now, this isn't like, okay, like everybody needs to come serve me, but it, it's instead of like 100% of us serving in zero from them, it's maybe closer to 50-50, right? There's ways that we're going to serve them. There's ways that they're going to serve us. And, and, and I think so much of the church is let's create a program. We're going to serve them, and it's, it's all one way, right? But if, if you look at different... Um, passages in the Bible where um, where Jesus or Paul or Peter were going out to connect with people, we see that they were being authentic and that they, were, that they needed something. Jesus, the woman at the well, what did he need? He needed water. He said, can you give me a drink? And so she was serving him. If you, if you look at um, Peter and Cornelius, Cornel- uh, Peter stayed at Cornelius' house. Um, Paul, when he goes to Greece, he sees, he connects with Lydia, and she's like, you need to come and stay at my house. And so he went and stayed there. Then then he gets put in jail, and he has an encounter with the jailer. He's going to the jailer's house, and like in that night, the whole household gets saved. But they were stitching him up. That's pretty, like, he was letting them serve him, and through that, That built a relationship both ways, right? Because if it's just a program, it's just a one-way thing. But we're building relationship, and this is over time. Um, And you know, um, like going into their houses, it's so comfortable. You know, like, the easy thing is, like, I'm just going to invite them to church, right? Like, but that, that's a safe place for us, not for them, right? This is our comfortable place. And so, in my mind, I was going, okay, I need to make my house a place that I invite them, right? And so, and then I was talking to Jessica a couple weeks ago, and she goes, you know, people really don't come to our house, but they invite me to go places with them. And, like... Let, let's go into places that's safe for the other person. It's uncomfortable for me, right? That, that funeral that I went to yesterday, I only knew one person there, um, and, and it, was, it was part of a community that I don't normally hang out with, but I, I took that step, and I was able to really connect with a lot of people. Uh, two weeks ago, we had a Niners game, and there was um, a couple people from work who invited me to go to a restaurant with them. My first response inside was, hey, why don't you come to my house and let's do something at my house? But that wasn't a comfortable place for them. This restaurant was the comfortable place for them. And, I, you know, so I had to, like, undo my natural programming. And that, that doesn't mean that I don't have them over to our house, but it's a bit of both. But I, I think we're so set up To we have to host and we have to do it all ourselves, right? But it's 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 a give and take. It's a relationship, right? We start with building relationship, and then trust grows, and then we're able to share the gospel and stuff, right? Like, how you know if if somebody, if I was a stranger and I walked up to you and gave you financial advice, would you trust me? No, right? (laughs) You're just gonna be like, get out of here, you know, like. (laughs) Spam call, right? It's it's, it's through relationship that we build trust, right? Um, So, the next thing, he says, heal the sick. And, you know, I, I don't think this is just like, you know, giving some Advil that we have or things like that. I really think that this is, you know, Jesus, God has this power to heal people supernaturally as well, right? And, and, um, you know one of the things for me has been you know I had been really scared to offer to pray for people right and and, and a couple of years when Alex and Hannah a couple of years ago when Alex and Hannah were here they, they they talked us through a couple of things and they said, you know when someone talks about a need that they have, um, you know say, hey, can I pray for you because I don't think Jesus wants you going through that, right? Now, all of a sudden, with that mind, with saying that, all of a sudden, the pressure of that prayer being answered isn't on me, it's on God, right? Like, I don't need to carry that weight because I didn't want to pray for it because what if the prayer didn't get answered the way I wanted it to? And, and so, um, and then when, when, you're, when you're praying for somebody, for them to be healed, one of the most important things is to let them know that God loves them, right? And, and, and so that's that's another thing in my prayer that, that, that I've changed when I pray for people is I pray, I, you know, I, I say, God, I know that you love Fred, right? I say that in the prayer so that they know it. And then I pray that they have peace. And then I pray for whatever is going on, right? And And, and then... Through that prayer, you know, once, once we meet up, the next time, you know, we, we, we've, God's the one who's responsible to answer the prayer, not me, right? Next time I see that person, I can ask them, hey, how is it, how's it going with that, right? Because there's, there's a spiritual door open. Because when, when I follow back up and say, hey, how are you, you know, how's that going? One, at minimum, they know I care, right? And we get to talk about it. And two, if God God has answered in a way that we were praying for, then there's a whole other conversation that happens, right? And just two examples of that that have come up. Um, We had, there's there's this family that that goes to our school, and one day um, she calls, this lady calls me up on the phone, and she goes, hey, my brother-in-law is in the hospital, he's like, he's about to die. They're going in for surgery. There's all of these things going on. I just know if I need someone to pray for you and Jessica are the people we call. So I got Jessica on the phone, and we prayed with her. And then uh, her husband came on the phone later. We had a second call. We prayed with him. And, and like a week later, I'm going like, man, I haven't heard anything about this, right? And, and then so I, I, we, we text her like, hey, what's going on? How, how is how's your brother-in-law and she's like, he's healed, he's fine, he's out of the hospital. And so that was awesome. And then I had another guy at work, his son was playing football and just messed up his knee and basically the doctors were kinda of like, you know, sports might be done forever or whatever. And, um, and so we, we prayed for him and then I, I, went, I had a guy who was interviewing and uh, he was a believer and uh, the interview got canceled because this guy had to go to the hospital with his son, but he prayed with him. In, in, in the call, like, hey, I gotta go to the hospital, we can't do this interview right now. My friend's like, hey, can I pray for you? So he prays for him, and this guy goes to the hospital with his son a couple days later, and um, the doctor looks at it and is like, he's fine. Like, it, it, it's good, six weeks and he'll, he'll be back. And then, so the next, week, the next day, Actually, he called me that night and said, dude, my son is fine. His knee is better. And we got to talk to him the next day. And we're like, well, what do you think happened? And he said, it's a miracle. Right? And so that's, that's, that's a story in his journey of stepping closer to God. Right? And, but we had to be willing to pray with him. Right? And, 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 and so being able to step out and pray for healing and not be scared because, you know, God has the power to heal. And and so I I just want to really encourage you with that. Then out of all of this, say the kingdom of God is coming. There's going to be opportunities to talk about God. And and you're not necessarily going to be the one who has to bring it up. It's going to come up in conversation, right? Um, And if you're not accepted, wipe off your feet. This is God's mission, right? And he's, he's put us in places And not all the time are things to be accepted, and and we don't have to carry or judge. We can give it back to God and and find where he's calling us. So, uh, next slide. Who is a person of peace? A person of peace is somebody in the community who embraces you. This is somebody you're going to connect with, you're going to engage with. They're going to welcome you in. They're going to host them. And then... They're gonna give credibility to you to their network, their group of people, and over time they're gonna embrace Jesus's message, and they're gonna embrace Jesus's mission. But you know, if you if you look back, if you look back at the uh, the previous slide, you know, there's there's a lot of it's gonna take time. And 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 this this is a lifestyle. This is this is how we live, not something that is just um, it's so much so we you know we're we're used to Amazon where it's, it's, it's prime delivery and it's delivered same day or next day, right? And, and so it, it, it's not Amazon Prime, you know it's, it, it's, you know, it's God's timing that happens, right? And then, you know, the, the other illustration is like, you know, a microwave versus a crock pot, right? We're so used to just bing, it's done. But, but this takes time and it takes prayer. So um, with that, I'm going to hand it back to Eric and he's going to take it from here.
0: All right, thank you, Benji. Benji is uh, expertly gifted at finding people of peace, which is why I had him <laughs> uh, share that with us today. Um, I wanted to share a, a one passage of scripture that I think is really important to help us, you know, shape as as we are sent out, as Jesus sends out these these seventy-two followers here in Luke ten. As we are sent out, Jesus is sending us out with a certain posture, a way of being, of, of you know, like Benji said, like baseline is don't be a jerk. Actually, it's, it's above that. It's, we bring the peace of Christ with us when we go into any setting, right? That's what we're about. And it's not an accident that Jesus sends us out like that. The Apostle Paul talks about Christ and he talks about him in these words that are really important. This is one of the, um, the, the passages of Scripture that uh, for, for the Apostle Paul, this was the thing he went everywhere preaching. If you read in Philippians 2, you actually see this written almost like a poem. It's like a creed. This is something that the believers would have memorized and they would have been reciting to one another to be reminded of the gospel, and to be reminded of who we're called to be. And so Jesus is sending us out with a posture of Philippians 2. And I just want to share a few things about it. He says this starting in verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset... Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why is this so important as we talk about discipleship? Well, this morning I want to say our discipleship has to, if we're walking in Jesus' footsteps and his footsteps led him to the cross, then our discipleship should be cross-shaped, meaning shaped by sacrificial love. That's what Jesus has given to us so that we might have life. And why would that change now 2,000 years later? Why would his methods not be wrapped up in sacrificial love still? Now, I have gotten this criticism over the years. I've been called a hippie because I believe this. I've had people criticize and say, well, this is like a really wimpy way of following Jesus. I want tough guy Jesus. And here's here's my response to that, because uh, partly our, our ideas of masculinity and femininity are a little whack, but part of it is like people really want tough guy Jesus, and I don't know why that is. Tough guy Jesus, we don't need that, because we have the sacrificial lamb of God who was raised from the dead. Even death could not defeat him, which means... Even death was not a threat to his kingdom. He was not worried about what people might do to him because he knew he would not be defeated by that. There was a security there that he had with God the Father that allowed him to trust God as he was led to the cross. There's a security that came with that. And there's a security that comes with having faith in Christ that means we don't need fake bravado. We don't need to come in and be the loudest, smartest most dominant voice in the room. In fact, when I go to the gym, the guy who brags about how much he benches is the least secure person in the entire place. That's not toughness. That's insecurity. And as Christians, when we have faith, we, we maneuver in such a way of trust, of security, that you know what? I don't, I don't need to win an argument. I don't need to dominate the culture or the conversation. Because my security is in Christ. And if death couldn't defeat him, well then nothing can defeat him. And so Jesus, he went about in this posture of servanthood, of sacrificial love, and he calls us to do the same. And it comes back to this this idea that we've been talking about through this entire series. The security of that that I'm talking about, that Paul is talking about here. We can go around with the same mindset and posture as Christ Jesus, as Paul says, who did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage, but he gave himself up as a servant. He was obedient to death on a cross. Sacrificial love. We can walk around if we truly have faith. I was talking about this. If anybody watches the midweek mashup, thank you to the four of you who do that. That's something that we put out uh, every. It's more than that, I'm sure. Matt, Matt, our communications pastor, does a great job of putting that out, out every week, and whoever preaches that week kind of shares uh, what God's put them in their heart, the things they had to edit out of it. And uh, and this week, I, I just like, came to me as we were talking that sometimes we we have a, a, a math equation of belief equals faith. Belief equals faith. And I said, that's not how the Bible talks about faith. Um, in fact, you know, in math, they taught me like the greater than sign was like an alligator's mouth. And it, was going, it would go to which side was greater than because it's high. Anybody else know this? Math people? Okay. I'm not alone. Thank you, Nathan. In our equation, faith is greater than belief. Because faith comes with the security that I can act on my belief. You know, I believe that two plus two equals four. That doesn't impact my life in many significant ways. Call me crazy. I believe in the Loch Ness Monster. All right? Can't argue with me about that. But that that, that requires nothing of me to have faith in something like that, to believe in something. It requires nothing of me. But faith calls for allegiance to our Lord Jesus. Faith calls for us to actually act on what we say we believe. So I come to this question that I've been coming to every week. This is the Jesus that Paul tells us about. And we can can walk in confidence and security and faith because of this Jesus when we follow in his footsteps. And so the question comes back to, do we really believe what we say we believe? And if so, we're willing to take these steps of faith. We're willing to go out and make ourselves vulnerable and sit in somebody else's kitchen or meet somebody on neutral ground instead of you know inviting them to church or a restaurant or our homes. Like Benji said, we meet them at a restaurant or we, we find ways to connect with them on that level. We receive hospitality. We, we don't look at it as one-way relationships. We look at them as true friendships where there's give and take. We make ourselves vulnerable so that we might truly show them who Jesus is. And so all of that to say, Philippians 2 is this passage that that reminds us of the gospel. We have peace with God because Jesus had this mindset of sacrificial love. He went to the cross so that we might have forgiveness of sins and that we might have new and eternal life. And then, Paul says, you should go and be like Jesus. You have been redeemed because of the sacrificial love of Jesus and now wherever you go, you bring with you the sacrificial love of Jesus. And that's what we do is we go out this week and we look for people of peace. I'm going to invite the band up, and they're going to introduce a new song to us this morning. And it's one of those songs that gets me called a hippie, and I'm fine with that. All the hippies in the 60s had long hair and beards like Jesus, so, the, you know, <laughs> it adds up. And I can't grow a beard, I'm a little jealous, but... Um, But we're going to learn a song this morning, and it's called Instrument of Peace. And the chorus we repeat over and over again, Lord, make me an instrument of peace. And let that be our prayer this week, that we would be people of peace, and we'd have our eyes open for other people of peace, as we see what God is doing in our midst, as we walk in the the confidence and faith of Christ, and bring sacrificial love everywhere.